Like, there's got to be something that's an answer to fast fashion and disposable clothes. I think to do that, we have to add more value to the clothes that you're buying. I'm hoping that people can start to cherish and respect their clothes in the way that you do your phone or your computer if it has these extra functions. Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. We know that technology touches nearly every part of our lives. Well, now get ready because it is trying to make its mark on our clothing. It's a market that's estimated to top $2 billion in the next decade. So is tech and textiles the future of what we wear? I am joined today on this podcast by Madison Maxey. She is the founder and chief innovation officer at the e-textile company Lumia. Madison, it's great to have you here. Great. So glad to be here. Let's start off with the real simple. What exactly is an e-textile? Absolutely. So an e-textile is... It can be a lot of different things, but the overall idea of an e-textile is some kind of textile that has electronics integrated into it. So those electronics can be woven, they can be knit, they can be printed. We're seeing that that's very popular right now. Um, and all of the goal of that is to make something that feels like a textile that can have an electronic functionality. Okay, so you actually at Lumia, you have some products out that are doing this, including a recent product that is a jacket that can warm you up if you get cold. Is that right? Yep. Tell us how it works. Absolutely. So the heated jacket that we uh, put out on the market today has a thin heating element in the back, and it has a small battery pack. And the way that it works is it's meant to provide discrete heat throughout the day. So a lot of women complain that they're cold in their yes, offices, I'm, for example. I'm one of them. <laughs> feeling it right now, actually, during this podcast. <laughs> I wish I had the jacket. I could give it to you. And, um, you know, we wanted to make something that didn't look like a puffer that you're supposed to wear outdoors. We saw a lot of the heated jacket market was very much so for outdoors apparel and had a men's version with kind of a smaller women's version. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to make something that you could wear on a plane to be more comfortable in your office um, under another coat if it's a really chilly day without all the extra bulk. So we decided to make this women's heated jacket that features our technology. But at the end of the day, we're really an ingredient brand, a B2B company. But we thought this was a great proof of concept just to show the tech's ready. It can get out there and look how slim it can be. So let me understand. this: Is it an insert into an existing into the existing jacket or within the jacket itself this technology is woven? Oh, yeah. So it's an insert. And I feel like that can also be a really confusing thing about the language of the e-textiles market is that the product that we make, if you feel it, it it doesn't really feel like a textile. You felt one of the samples I felt earlier. One. It's very thin, and it doesn't feel like cloth the way you would think a textile would feel, or like a fabric, if you will. Exactly. So it's it's a little different from a traditional textile, and some companies who do purely printed applications don't have any textile in their e-textile at all until it's put onto a piece of fabric. Interesting. So, you know, that can be a little... Um, a little hard to visualize, but the way that ours works is that it's an insert that's sewn into a garment. And this is largely because we are a B2B company. So the idea is that any company who wants to add a heating functionality, whether it's clothes for the elderly or for you know outdoor law enforcement, whoever may need it, you can sew it in in just a few minutes and don't need to have specialized supplies. I think I hear crossing guards applauding. Oh. Because they're out there in all sorts of weather and traffic controllers and things. Um, how much does a jacket like that cost? Yeah, so for 
our jacket, you know, it lands around five fifty. Um, most of those costs aren't the heating element. Most of those costs are making a jacket in New York City, which is <laughs> right. <laughs> just interesting to learn. Um, so it really, it really just depends on how we place the heating, where it is, how big the scale is. So the cost is different for a hundred units versus ten thousand units. Sure, sure. Um, so our elements, you know, they're going to range between somewhere between twenty and a hundred dollars to put heating into a garment. You say that you're mainly really a business-to-business company. So who are some of your clients that you can share with us? Absolutely. So we've spent the past three years really doing research and development for this product. So we're just getting to market around now. We did do a ton of development for heating with a um, a Fortune 1000 company. I can't get too much into the details, but we're really grateful to them for working with us. And, you know, they did a bunch of the production trials so that we could understand how the integration process should be. So, you know, we did a lot of trials with them, and now we're starting to sign on new companies as we fully launch and get our sales going. Um, In the past, though, so this company has been around for about five years. The past two and a half years, or the first two and a half years, sorry, we're mostly doing consulting for companies in the space. So I did um, a prototype for Google. I did a little bit of work for North Face um, and for a company called Flextronics. And it was building prototypes that were basically wires in fabric. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. So Right. So you tell us here. about your, your background. Or do you have a, a background in design and in, in engineering? Because it, it, it's a very unique, you're blending two different worlds here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my background is in design. I've always really loved making things, and I still love making things. It's my favorite part of the work. And so uh, I started at school for design, and I wanted to make a website, so I started taking programming classes at General Assembly. Um, you know, the classes were really expensive, so I negotiated with them and was like, I'll do work-study for these classes. They're like, you're young and enthusiastic. Maybe we can make this work. That was sort of the basis for starting a business, right? You have to have a little enthusiasm there. Definitely. It helps. It helps yeah. for sure. And um, I started working in their like tech entrepreneurship co-working space and got to meet a lot of tech entrepreneurs. And then I was taking these coding classes and I was like, wow, technology lets you make all sorts of things that I could never make before. Um, So I started doing that and then I started getting into hardware. So I'm, you know, classically trained in none of these things, but (laughs) I really enjoy working on projects that teach me how to work with electronics and how to work with different materials. Yeah, because you you were Mm -hmm. going to Parsons, which for those who know is a very Mm -hmm. prestigious design school, hard to get into. You you, uh, were accepted, started, and after a semester left and never came back. But folks, there's a good reason why. Because you were the recipient of a $100,000 grant by the Thiel Foundation. This is the Peter Thiel, co-founder of PayPal and billionaire. How did that, how did you land that? And I have to think that was really a turning point in your life. You know, it, it, it really was. And it's not a story that I share too often. But, um, you know, the day after I got the fellowship, my dad passed away, mm. and That's my bitter, mom was saying that bittersweet. But you know, she felt like he could let go because he was like, "Oh, you're taken care of, mm. right?" My mom wasn't going to have to pay for, figure out how to pay for everything for right. the next few years. So, um, you know, I got the fellowship. It really was a turning point, 
And I never would be in this industry otherwise. Um, I, I still have plans to go back to school, but it would be for material science instead of design. So to I'm really grateful. Exactly. Wow. So that $100,000 that you got from that that Teal Foundation was your seed money, I guess, for the for the company. How did you raise? Because you, we, I wish we could all do this on $100,000. But what, <laughs> what, when you needed more money, how did you raise it? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I look back and I'm like, I had no idea. I still probably have Maybe no idea what I'm really Maybe that's why it worked, Madison. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was doing um, – so in those consulting days, I kind of just did everything. And I was doing an artist residency at Autodesk, the CAD software sure. company. They had the coolest residency, so I was really excited. And for my project, I worked on digital fabrication methods for making electronic textiles. So that was like the precursor to a lot of this. And uh, I worked in the wet lab trying to make a formula for conductive ink that could be deposited with a little machine that I built so that you could make these circuits over and over again versus needing to sew each one by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was presenting the ink. There was a big company in the audience who wanted to try it. So I was like, maybe there's something here. And so I started talking to a few investors and the two former um, heads of the fellowship had just started a fund. So they mm-hmm. were like, hey, if you're interested, maybe we could get involved here. I spoke to some other investors who came in. So suddenly I was like, all right, we're in business. Incredible. Yeah, truly. product. Unbelievable. (laughs) And now here you are, you say five years later, right? Lumia's five years old. Yeah. So it's been uh, five years since I incorporated as the consultancy. So under the product that we're doing, that's been three years. And Uh do you make the product using a 3D printer? I'm just curious how you make it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a great question. So I, I think the making of things at scale is so interesting because it involves so many people. So we have an e-textile integration partner called Eastprint. They're a 40-year-old printed electronics manufacturer, and they are the ones who put together the Lumi electronic layer. So we've been doing a tr- trials with them for the past few years, testing everything from different epoxies to you know, the delta in resistance from layer to layer to the time for production, um, all of the details to get the layer made. So it's not made with a, a 3D printer. You know, it's made in an electronics factory. And oh. it's, um, you know, it's always exciting when we get the shipments because we didn't have to make them ourselves. <laughs> right. So you yourself are like, wow, this looks pretty good. Uh, tell us what, for people who still are trying to wrap their heads around this, what are the real-life applications for these e-textiles? I mean, we understand there's mm-hmm. this heated coat, and I love that as a real-life application. But mm-hmm. what else, and in what other ways is this being used in our everyday life that we may not be aware of? Yeah, I think heated blankets, or if anybody has an electronic heating pad, sure. that's an example of, you know, they mostly are wires in textiles. Yes. that They can be very clumsy, Madison. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's been around for a long time. Um, There's also a heated jacket by Milwaukee, just like on the heating category. That one you can buy in Home Depot. So everybody can buy that. Ralph Lauren did it for the Olympics as well, right? Absolutely. Um, Do you see this uh, becoming more and more a mainstream part of our lives? Like we're going to go into a clothing store or go online to buy something and, you know, it'll be heat. We'll have a heated option. I, I really hope so because I, I feel like, why not? One, jackets are meant to keep you warm. If they can keep you a little warmer, then that adds more functionality. And secondarily is, I f- like, there's got to be something that's an answer to fast fashion and disposable clothes. And I think to do that, we have to add more value to the 
clothes that you're buying. It can't just be brand value, which still does a lot, but I'm hoping that people can start to, you know, cherish and respect their clothes in the way that you do your phone or your computer if it has these extra functions. Uh, so that's something that I would like to see. But there's also, um, and like this is a lot less sexy for consumers, but there's a bunch of applications, as mentioned, in automotive, medical, industrial, personal protective wear, visibility mm. is always a big concern. For law enforcement, that kind of thing? Yep. Construction workers. Sure. And in Europe, uh, the company that hires you for your construction work is often expected to provide you with what you're meant to wear. So it's in their interest to give you something that's actually going to keep you safe because they're responsible for it. And you can do that by, you know, making things brighter, which is one, but also making things responsive. So maybe there's an accelerometer uh, and um, a vibration motor, and whenever somebody falls, then the vibration motors go off. So if they fainted, you know, Mm. it can help to wake them up. Or maybe if it, they've fallen from exhaustion, it helps to wake them up. Yes. Or it can be light so that somebody can see that this person's fallen, they need help. Right. So there's lots of interesting feedbacks that you can put in that you may not be able to do the same way using a heart device. Right. And you're, so we're saying you're, you're going, you're thinking way beyond heating things with this technology. And I would imagine it's mm-hmm. patented technology. Do you have uh, patents already secured on this? We do. So we have two patents, uh, and they're for smart, soft goods and inserts. And then we'll have a few other patents moving through the office as well. That's wonderful. It's really fascinating. And, and if we listen to uh, the estimates, it should be a $2 billion market, e-textiles, in the next decade. And I'm sure you're going to be a big part of it. I hope so. <laughs> what, really what's, hope so. <laughs> what's next for the company, Madison? Um, absolutely. Well, we're working on a few projects that I, I can't say too much about, but we've been focused a lot on um, certification and standards around our materials. Mm-hmm. So something that is slightly outside of the company, but I'm really excited about is a bunch of standards groups are working on organizing the industry, and Lumia tries to be part of as much of that as we can. So being involved in some of the standards that are about to come out soon is something we're excited to share. And then for you know things that we'll be launching, We're talking to a few different customers, so hopefully we'll be able to announce something soon about what we're launching as a B2B company versus the jacket when we launch Excellent. Come back when you do, okay? I will. Absolutely. Madison (laughs) Maxey of Lumia, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.